10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from London, this is the Sunday Lunch with Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon, the time is 1pm on Sunday the 15th of May and you're tuning in to the Sunday Lunch Show with me, Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. Today we're taking a break from pastoral CPD to talk about something some people say is more important and that's teaching and learning. I'll be joined by Sarah Cottingham to discuss all things memory and what its implications are for effective teaching and learning in the classroom. I can't wait! Live from London! This is the Sunday Lunch with Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash LSW slash TT Radio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Good afternoon. Wow, that is not supposed to ha- happen, but I like it. So, those <laughs> for the first time, apparently, maybe there's a new Podbean feature where it just cycles through your your music bits because I did not expect that. That just went through. I was, if I didn't stop that, that was going to go through all of my different um, musical elements. Good afternoon. How are we doing? It's great to see people already in the studio. Thank you for joining. I see some uh, Gerards in there. Benjamin was here before. Hopefully, he's going to come back. Um, this is a Sunday lunch show with me, Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. If it's your first time listening, please do let me know in the chat. Um, if it's your second, third, fourth, umpteenth time like TSCW who just joined, um, then let me know. But it's great to hear. Well, it's great to be. I feel like I've not been here for a while. The last time on it was about two or three Sundays ago. It's been a very long time. I've missed it. I've missed it. What I've realized is I've not got my water. So that means I'm slightly underprepared. Um, hopefully my voice is going to be absolutely fine. I haven't got my little, my, my, my throat lubrication. If that, that's what I've called water. That's a new thing. Um, I've not got that, but let me know how people are doing. Apparently there's only like two weeks left of the school term, which is absolutely redonkulous. Um, I don't really keep track of all these things. I keep my calendar, but I just forget. And I go to work and everyone kind of tells me, oh, there's only two weeks left and everything else, which is just, it's just ridiculous. This summer term just absolutely flies. And before you know it, it's assessment week and everything else. Um, or oh, GCSEs, obviously, for people that work in full schools. My school's not a full school. If they're your first time listening, let me introduce myself again. My name's Khalil Rouse. Um, if at any point you think, oh, this guy, I like I like this guy. I want to I want to hear more from this guy. Then you can follow me on Twitter at Khalil underscore R91. If this is your first time listening to Teachers Talk Radio, where have you been? But you can always listen to Teachers Talk Radio by following them on Twitter at, at well, us, I should say, us on Twitter at TT Radio 2022. Or you can head to TT Radio radio.org um, and that is how you can also listen back to all the teacher to radios that have ever been produced they're all there from way back when to now all their shows for myself um, I do shows often based on pastoral things I call it the pastoral CPD clinic so if ever you know anyone that wants to have some kind of pastoral CPD then get them to search that on Twitter hashtag pastoral CPD or just search it in the ttradio.org forward slash listen back um it's great how's everyone doing hope you're having a wonderful relaxed sunday i was scheduling all my tweets before the show and one of them was around where the spurs were losing um and annoyingly just as the show started they blooming scored a pen 
Um, so I had to I had to delete that tweet. But I've got another one coming out. And anyone that's in the chat that is watching the game, when it kicks off second half, let me know if and when Burnley score, please. I don't want to know if Spurs score. Just if if Burnley score, let me know in the chat, please, because I, I need them to lose. Um, if you can't guess, I'm an Arsenal fan. If any more Arsenal fans in the chat, let me know. I'm an Arsenal fan. And Thursday was, it is what it is. We don't we don't talk about it that much, but I don't know how many Arsenal fans went to school and just had to keep their heads down. Depends where you live, I guess. My school was a was a breeding ground of Spurs fans. They all came out of the cupboards on on Friday morning. A lot of them have been silent for much of the season, but now they're finding their voices. They're finding their voices. The topic of today's show that's going to happen a little bit later on is all about memory. And I'm going to be joined by Sarah Cottingham, who put out a thread wave of a little, a few weeks ago that caught my eye, caught thousands upon thousands of people's eyes um, virtually. Yeah, no, that still works. All about her, well, what she knows about memory and the research that she's done on memory. And then more importantly, what is impact, what the impact of the research would be on effective teaching and learning in the classroom. It feels weird to be talking about teaching and learning. Um, it's something that obviously is a bread and butter of the career. But I often don't talk about it much. In my role, I don't really talk about it. Welcome, people that join the studio. Let me know where you're listening from. First time, second time, third time, 15th time. I see Karen. Karen's a, um, an OG of, well, Teacher Talk Radio listening. But I'm going to take, I'm going to claim ownership and say, well, was I the first show you listened? I'm going to say I was the first show that Karen listened to ever, which is probably a lie, but we're going to go with it. And unless she comments in the chat something different, that's what we're going to go with. Let's see what we've been talking about. On why are people talking about pens again on Twitter, please? Every every flipping um, month, people talk about pens. Do you not get bored of talking about pens? I don't get why we talk about pens. What's even what's even the argument? What's what is the argument at stake? Is it whether we should give kids pens or not if they don't type with a pen? Is that the argument that we're really talking about? That people seem to spend their time whinging about um, on ed, on hashtag edu Twitter. Kids don't come, some kids do not come to school with pens. Cool. And then there's the question, what do you do about it? I always like to take things to their extreme because then that will just tell you what just makes sense. You've got three options, I'd say. Option number one is kids don't come to school with a pen and you have a consistent policy where no teacher provides any pens. And then I guess what would happen is they'd probably get a pen from their mate or what should also happen is there's some maybe some facility in school where you can either purchase a pen or exchange a pen for something like a phone that could work and if you ain't come to school equipped then you should have something in school where you ain't got your equipment cool go maybe get a pack of a pack of pens for the day and you have to trade in your phone and you have to bring back the pens i don't know um that might work in some schools but then people talk about oh i shouldn't give a kid a pen because then we're teaching them to be was it irresponsible and unorganized or disorganized? The amount of times I have to ask a kid for a pen, <laughs> I just walk around school in my role as a DSL. I walk around school um, asking kids for pens because I just leave things everywhere and I just ask kids for pens. And that's normally to either give them a merit or a negative sanction. And it's quite funny because I'm like, right, take a planner out. And they take the planner out. Now give me a pen. <laughs> because most of the time I don't, I don't have a pen. Um, so, yeah. And I, I'm a grown man. I don't, I don't always have a pen on me. So I don't know why people are still talking about this. Give, give, you can give a child a pen. If you have to come, if you have to bring it with a sanction as well, I don't know. Um, 
depends how school systems work. In my school system, if you come ill-equipped, you could get a negative sanction. And then depending on how the rest of your day went, that could relate in the, that could result in a detention. It could. Um, I agree with expecting kids to turn up equipped, but easier said than done for 12, 13, 14, 11-year-olds. If circumstances say that things at home aren't great or you just lose the pen throughout the day, that can happen. Or someone could just steal your pen. That also happens. Imagine being, imagine someone stealing your pen and you get in trouble for not having a pen. I'd be fuming. But yeah, people talk about pens still. I don't know what you guys think about what is pen gate. I think we need to, we're over it. I think we need to put it in the bin. Start from 101. Throw away talk about pens. Um, another thing I was talking about this week. Oh, my computer did a bit of a weird thing. Another thing I was talking about this week was around holidays. Um, and I put out a poll. Some of you may have seen. I put out a poll and the question was, Teachers, it was towards teachers and ex-teachers. All things considered, are our 13 weeks off a year worth it? All things considered. What are those things? Who knows? I just thought I'd do like a catch-all. All things considered, these 13 weeks that we get off, when you weigh it all up, when you compare it to jobs that don't get 13 weeks off but have different characteristics, are our 13 years a week off worth it? What do you guys think? I'll tell you what the results of the poll were in a second. But I guess, where did it come from? It came from, I was sat in detention. Um, Not because I'd misbehaved, because I was on duty. And um, some of my mates are currently in Ibiza. And they sent me a picture of them sat by the the pool. You know people, do you know those stupid photos that people send with their toes out? Like they sent me some pictures. I don't want to see your toes. But they sent me a picture with their toes out next to the pool, just bragging about the fact they're in Ibiza. Um, for a soca festival, Karen knows I'm talking about. Karen's Karen's and on she knows about the scene. Um, so they're sat by the pool, and I was like, "This is." I was like, "This is ridiculous." Like I could never have gone to this Ibiza festival without either booking it off. Welcome people joining the studio without booking it off. But no, I say booking it off, lying about something. I think because I don't know many schools where you'd be able to say to the principal or the head, "Can I book off a few days so I can go?" Um, wind up my waist next to the swimming pool and I'd be for a soccer festival. I don't know how many schools would allow that. So I'm thinking, right, the only reason I can't go, but then but then people are like, oh, yeah, we get six weeks off in summer. Yeah, cool. You ever seen the prices for holidays in summer? Bro, ever seen the prices? So I'm like, wow, would, I, would it just be easier to work a job where you get, how many weeks off do people get in other jobs? Genuine question. Is it like five? Let me know in the chat if you do know. How many weeks off? Is it five weeks in total? I actually don't know the answer to this. In other jobs, obviously there's no like, set answer because there's loads of different careers but um i know people are more flexible how many days off people get but would it be worth just i don't know switching career for a bit so i've got a bit more flexibility saying ah do you know what let me just book this week off so i can go away and pay 300 pounds rather than wait until october half term and for the same blooming holiday end up paying 800 pounds it's crazy is it worth it in the end, the poll the poll came back 56.1% in favour of it being worth it. And when I weigh things up, I'm like, okay, I get it. And I hope the people that voted yes are people that don't work in the holidays. Um, because if you're going to work in the holidays, then it's pointless. Um, no, not pointless, but there's no point having 13 weeks off a year and then you work for seven of them because you, you need to or whatever else. Um, so for me, holidays, I don't work in holidays. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse to work on holidays and I do my best to not work at the weekends. Um, and I usually succeed at that. I think you have to. 
Otherwise, this job will grind you down. Karen said 28 to 40 days max usually. Um, so yeah, quick maths tells me that's just under six weeks. Well, four to six weeks. Don't sound that bad. Book a couple of days off of Christmas, get to see the family. Then just a couple of days in a random month like June where it's warm overseas, but prices are low. Book a holiday here. Maybe go on a little cruise for like £20. I don't know how much it costs. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go on record. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. All the, I'm like looking at, looking at the career path thinking, is it, is this the one? I've always been a teacher. Don't know. <laughs> I've always, the thing is, I've always, like, I've always, and you know what? I'm going to be genuine here. I know I've got to bring my guest on, but it's, I feel like I need to, I get, this is cathartic. This is therapeutic for me to just talk sometimes. I feel like I get a bit of like, TSCW says, Am I, are you trying to get me to hand in my notice? It's pers- there is a bit of persuasion here, but the problem for me personally is I just don't know any, I don't know anything else in terms of a job that I know I'm good at. I don't know, I've always, I left uni, went into teaching. I've not actually done another job apart from like a summer school when I was 18, working with some random Italian kids that couldn't speak much English. That's the only other job I did as an activity manager as a teenager. And apart from that, all I know is teaching. So I think I get a bit of like, a bit of anxiety at the thought of trying my hand at another job and beginning as a as a novice again. All that, all those things that we try to encourage our kids to have. Resilience, growth mindset, all that stuff. And I'm here like, mm, can I do anything else? I know I can, but I feel like I'm a little bit, I don't think even the word is, I'm a little bit worried about, what would I even do? What would I do? What would you do? I don't even know, I literally don't even know what I would do if I weren't teaching, I don't even know where to even look, what role to do. I'm, um, so here, yeah, Karen's asked, see, Karen's asked me questions. I don't know, Karen, in answer to the question, which career, don't know. What am I thinking of the next steps? I think if you're thinking in teaching, originally it was all about headship for me. Um, and then the pandemic hit and I looked at what head teacher had to go through and I was like, nah, <laughs> I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But I do enjoy being a senior leader. I do enjoy that. Um, I think genuinely what I think I'd like to be able to do is be a pastoral consultant. Do they exist? If not, how do I start it? So my vision, my vision would be like schools that are struggling with some sort of pastoral issue or issues would then, um, be able to call me in <laughs> like, and then I'd stay at the school for a short, not short term, but I'd have to actually be in the school for a while to obviously observe. And I'll be able to give them plans and actions and advice and meet with the students. I'd, I need to still meet with the kids and help those. Out. And I, I don't know. I don't even know what this even means. I don't even know. I haven't put together a business plan, but I don't want to not do things working with young people. I don't want to do a job where I end up working with adults. No offense to the adults in the room, but I prefer to work with kids and adults. Um, so I don't know which career. And TSCW said project management with suit teachers. Yeah, I get that. But is project management work with adults? <laughs> I just like, I like, I like, I prefer to work with kids. Either way, I'm rambling, I'm rambling. But I need to first check if my guest is in the studio. I have a sneaky suspicion there may be the random assortment of letters in the studio. But let's just see um, if Sarah Cottingham is in the studio. I hope so. Otherwise, you're just going to hear from me some more. And I'll go through the thread myself without having our expert input. But I hope Sarah's in the in the studio and hasn't got any technical hitches. I've checked my Twitter DMs and I can't see anything there. Yep, random assortment of letters. I thought I thought it was you, Sarah. 
I predicted KFRRYXJK. What we're going to do, Sarah, is um, I'm going to run a little um, transition music. Don't know why, I just feel like it. In that time, there's a grey phone button at the bottom. If you click that, I'll be able to bring you into the studio live. Ah, oh, we missed the timing. No, go again. I went to click it. I'm sorry. That was my bad. I got too excited and then I didn't click the invite button and it went. Uh, it said that you can't join. Try again. So cool. One more time. Let's see, see this drum. Well, I said one more time. A couple more times. Invite. Let's go with this. There we go. We're in. You thought you got worried, didn't you, Sarah? Uh, do you know what? I'm so wrong. <laughs> I've, I've, my name is a random assortment of letters. <laughs> so, uh, can you hear me? All right, is I it can all hear okay? you. So, yeah, yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you. Um, but even oh, I got worried. I, that's the first time that I've that someone's tried to call in. And I've clicked and it's been like, eh, no, nope, not gonna, not gonna work. <laughs> so I got, I got a little bit because even me, I like, I can, I feel like I can talk, but when you have a plan and you, and then just everything just. Do you know those lessons where just you couldn't you tell you had a you wanted to plan it in the morning and then you couldn't for whatever reason and you rock up to the class being like right how are yep. we gonna do this for how are we, how are we gonna do this yep, for an yep, hour been there without... <laughs> but the thing is the thing is the thing is ironically or not even ironically yeah no I think ironically is the right word sometimes they turn out to be the best because it's it's very organic everything's just yeah um, everything is literally the most responsive it's not even that you've got your own plan it's you go with the what the kids actually you feed fully off what the kids are telling you and you just kind of move with it sometimes it can be the sometimes it can be the best um or some, sometimes can be effective but yeah such a I, good point but yeah either way before let's get the formalities out of the way sarah can you do a quick intro for the lovely listeners to just kind of explain your connection to the teaching world your background essentially what you do at the moment um and yeah how we've yeah what your connection is also with this I was going to say this memory thing, which just kind of downplays the whole thing with memory. Um, <laughs> just a quick, just a quick summary for the listeners, please. Of course, yeah. Um, so I'm Sarah Cottingham. Um, I work as a teacher educator. I started out in education uh, about ten years ago. I worked as a learning support assistant, and then I became an English teacher, and then I moved into teacher education training. First of all, new teachers. Um, to the profession and then training uh, now now I work on the uh, on like frameworks like the na uh, national professional qualifications for teachers and I design those and do some delivery on on those and some other things um, and recently I completed my master's in educational neuroscience and that was kind of my way of being really obsessed with uh, with all things memory uh, which is where the thread came out of it was like me trying to sum up what I think I've learned about memory um, over the course of the masters. So you might read that thread and think that was really not value for money. Um, or you might read it and think, yeah, she got her money's worth out of that masters. Uh, ho hopefully the latter. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's where that's come from. Just a real obsession um, with memory. No, oh, excellent. Listen, well, when, when a thread gets over 3000 likes and 846 retweets and 248 quote tweets, I think that's the round of applause from Edu Twitter that it, it had its desired impact. 
Um, <laughs> so, so what did you type? Because I know that you can. I'm assuming. Did you load it all? Did you send it all out at once? Did you load it all up in the background and then just send it all out? I can't remember how. I only saw the the end result. Yeah. So I always, if I'm going to do a tweet, I think it's like a good learning experience. If you're going to do a big long thread, you want to. You, you're trying to say something in like really as a really succinct way. So you've got to be super super clear. So I think like what I find easiest is just to like, I use, I just get my OneNote out and I just write out the thread and then I kind of try and make it as succinct as possible. And then I paste it on. So there's, there's no like magic in it in, in terms of writing it out. It's just copying and pasting it from, <laughs> from OneNote oh, to, the, to Twitter. How come you don't just write it in Twitter? Because I don't know. I thought I like to sort of, I find Twitter is a bit of an artificial way of writing stuff. Mm. Um, I, I like writing things and then cutting it down and then seeing if it works and then reading it to myself, reading it out loud, um, making sure it sounds like right. And I think with Twitter, I can't really the structure it. I can't really do it. But if mm. I do it and then I cut it down and cut it down and cut it down and then I paste it on, I just find that a lot easier. Yeah, I get that. You end up, you end up like taking out the some superfluous language and a few. Yeah. If you, do you know those words you didn't mean to put in there? You just like, um, let me just take that. And you save yourself four characters by taking out that. Exactly. Word. Yeah. All that. And you can put in like four <laughs> emojis instead. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, an emoji says how many words? I know pictures speak a thousand. <laughs> I think an emoji is only about twenty words. I think you can't. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't get, you don't get a thousand words from emojis. You see, on the topic of emojis, random stuff. You're going to realize, Sarah, that I just like to talk about random stuff sometimes. Do you use WhatsApp? Yes. Yeah. Have you seen the new emojis on WhatsApp? The new ones? No. Yeah, there's some. Oh, there's some new emojis. Well, I say new. I think they're like I don't know, a couple of weeks. There's a couple of new emojis. I recommend go have a look. There's some new emojis. Um, add them to your um, emoji repertoire. Or something. There's some new, there's some, <laughs> some new emojis on on WhatsApp. I did say, Sarah, behind the scenes, I was saying, listen, don't worry, we'll be able to fill the time. There's no problem at all because we'll go wherever my brain takes me is where we'll go. But of yeah, course, I just, I'm believe I'm believing you now, Claire, because at the time I was like, I don't know, I don't know if I can um, drag this memory stuff on for an hour and a half. You're like, don't worry, it'll be absolutely fine. It'll, I believe honestly, you. I've done shows on my own where I've had to talk for an hour and a half, um, and. I have rough, I don't, I used to, no, I never used to, if I'm honest, I never used to plan. I used to kind of have a topic, maybe I'd have an article and the rest is just vamping and ranting about whatever comes to mind. Do you know what, interestingly though, Sarah, you said, when you said you work for Ambition, I, mm. I'm currently I'm currently doing the MPQSL. Um, oh, fantastic. Yeah, I'm currently doing that through, but what I did, what I thought at first, because I'm, I go to an art school, um, mm-hmm. I thought it was lit, because we do it throughout, we do all this step lab, all that stuff. Um, yeah. So the, mo- the all is that MPQSL the same one that all teachers will do, or there are multiple MPQSLs? I actually don't know the answer to this. Uh, good question. No, there's different that uh, there's different providers. So you're doing the one that with ambition that utilizes Steplab, and you've got your own kind of set of resources, and um, different providers will have a kind of different have designed different programs. Essentially, they've all been signed off as being like really high quality. The uh, Department for Education is really happy with them, but yeah, they'll look different with different providers. Okay, fair Although, enough. they're I'd... all underpinned by the same framework, so they're not like you're not learning like really different stuff. It's just kind of a different mode of delivery and like different emphasis on different bits, basically. Right, understood. And whose decision was it to get rid of the thousands upon thousands of words, write up, and replace it with a case study? <laughs> that was not our decision, but um, ah. 
whoever they I are. Think I think it sounds to, as if you're happy with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That, that would be that, that would be someone in the Department for Education who came up with that. So oh, you'll need to find them. Right. I did wonder because, yeah, because I that whenever I was thinking, I thought about it a couple of years ago. Um, and then when I spoke to a colleague of mine who I think was doing it at the time, he was in the process of doing this whole write ups and he was going home every evening to just add some more words after already working 10 plus 11 out 10 to 11 hours of work to then go home and then continue to write this dissertation sounding thing, Majiggy Bob. And I was just. I, it just deterred me the whole time. I just couldn't yeah. think of it. I just couldn't think of anything worse. Like, it's just not... I deliberately didn't do a dissertation at, in uni because I had the option to because I just didn't want to write that many words. Um, because I feel like to do it correctly, you'd need to actually stagger it over a good period of time so it never feels overbearing. But mm-hmm. I know exa- I knew, I knew exactly what would happen and it would get to a week before the deadline and then you're just going to be absolutely just... Nothing changes. I always find it funny that adults are just like kids when it comes to deadlines. And we just like, we don't seem, some of us, some of us never seem to learn. I feel like if you were a kid who left your homework to the last minute, then you continue to be that same teenager who left their write-ups at uni to the last minute. And you continue to be that, te- <laughs> that teacher who yeah. still leaves deadlines to the last minute. And then we, we lament kids for it. But at the same time, some of us are just as bad. But yeah, the reason I say that is because I'm glad. I don't know what the end game is. They haven't really told us that much. I feel like they're keeping their cars behind their behind their back because it's the first. Is this the first time that it will be a a case study mm. assessment? Yeah, yeah, that's ah, right. Right. So the cynic in me is telling me that the reason why they're not telling me much is because they haven't fully decided what they want it to look like. But that's me. <laughs> I could. I couldn't possibly say. I couldn't possibly say. No, there's there's uh, there's lo- lots of interesting decisions that have. I, I wouldn't worry. It's, I'll put it that way. I, w- I wouldn't worry. It's all it's okay. all in hand. If that helps at all. It. Who knows? Who knows? But I'm enjoying <laughs> it. I'm enjoying it. It's nice. Oh, it's good. We do. We do, um, yeah, we have to do the step lab modules and then we meet. Blah, 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 blah. Right, cool. Let's get into what people are actually here to listen. So anyone, if you're listening, if you've got people listening live or if you're listening back, thank you. If you want to know how to listen back, then as always, you go to www.ttradio.org forward slash listen back. Then you can find all of these episodes from me and all the other wonderful TT radio hosts so we're going to talk about memory not memory science and sarah corrected me no one says memory science um we say we say we say the, thing, the reason why i said it is because yeah obviously i've never studied it and all and I, I knew i know that neuroscience is a well-known phrase and then i just thought memory science sounded fancy but clearly it's not a thing so i'm glad you corrected me on that because uh no one says memory science. If you ever say memory science, guys, <laughs> please don't say it. You're not cool. It's just call it memory. Either way, Sarah said that memory is incredibly interesting. And then you t- how many years you say you're studying it for? So I studied for, for four years, but two, two years on the master's, but four years kind of psychology, memory, stuff like that. Okay. So let's dissect this. And any, I'm just going to, I don't know if you've even got the tweet up, but I've got it right on my screen here. Um mm. Do you have it up for you or, my, or, or do you not have I've it? I've got it. I've got it. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So your first point um, is a phrase that sounds like me on a Sunday morning when it talks about brains <laughs> like to just like to conserve energy. So then what, just a, this is all going to be about elaboration. So your phrase is brains like to conserve energy. Can you just elaborate, please, in what you mean by that phrase? Do me, are you trying to say that brains like, if they can do it efficiently, with the least amount of energy possible, then that's the decision that the brain will, that's the path that the brain will take. I don't know. 
yeah well you, yeah yeah I think I think you nailed it so just to say like um this is this is just my kind of my take given all the stuff I've read um so I'm really happy if any of your listeners um kind of think there's there's anything to add or 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 maybe different um that I should put on the on the thread um but yeah like so generally speaking it seems as if the brain kind of doesn't want to use up loads of energy like you on a Sunday morning like most of us on a Sunday morning actually I don't know if we can say this is you on a Sunday morning because you do a radio show on a Sunday this afternoon so this you... is the after, this is the afternoon so we're oh, uh, I see. changes I see. But morning if I had my way if I didn't have a because I've got a little one but before I had a little one I'd be in mm. bed and I'd, I'm happily in bed for a long amount of time um and yeah so that's 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 the thing that's it's 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 about kind of you know it's about conserving and conserving energy and what and what that and what that kind of means is that if we can get the brain to kind of expend a lot of energy to do something and see that it's worth updating what we know then it will create a path that's kind of easier to access it next time because it's like we don't want to go through this effort again so there are certain things we might be able to do to kind of tell our brains, uh, for want of a better way of putting it, um, that like this stuff is really important. Store it. Make sure we've got good access to it. Otherwise, you're going to have to go through this really effortful process again. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of beneficial um, to know as a teacher, isn't it? You want to be doing those things that kind of support pupils to, to store the like really important knowledge that you're teaching them. Yeah, but then also, but then you also have to like avoid short because you need to avoid shortcuts as well. Though, if the shortcuts are just the short, I don't know because half me saying, okay, well, you can get from A to B in the quickest way, but A to B in the quickest way might not be might not mean you understand what you're doing. Um, yeah. So it's difficult because I'm I don't know. Well, obviously you teach English, I teach maths at the moment, um, so. We need a way to tell, to teach something in a way so that the students' brains realize it's valuable. And yes. then, because if they don't, if they don't see, so what you're saying, if they don't see value in what they're learning, in the actual concept of what they're learning, then they're less likely to actually put energy into trying to remember it. But then, yeah, so value is a really interesting one, though, because like, what what do, what do we mean by value? And I think like what in 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 the thread, I think I think value could get misunderstood. So like, you might think, oh, I've always got to make sure that kids see how they can use what I'm trying mm. to teach. Which like, I don't know, as a maths teacher, must be a bit of a bane of your life. Like, how how when am I going to use this? Uh, like, when is this going to be useful in the future? Um, type question. I, my my answer is um, in the exam. And (laughs) so like, no, but genuinely though, that does come up. So when, and you're right, because people often, maths is the best example of you'll teach me things that I don't think I'm ever going to use. But then what, so for me, whenever I've talked to kids around these kind of things, I always say that maths is, it's a skill-based subject. It's a problem-solving subject. So, and the way to get better at problem-solving is to expose yourself to more challenging problems that draw upon as different kind of um, topic matters from across the curriculum, let's say. So as you get older and as you learn more maths, you become better problem solvers and your brain, well, not even your brain, but you just get better at kind of plucking out information you need from different areas of maths in order to solve the problem that you're faced with. And that's a skill that you don't learn, that you don't learn in anywhere near as much intensity across in any other subject. Maths is the one that you have the most intense. So it's less about 
the specific content in terms of the specific memorizing these specific formula, memorizing exactly what how to do trig or whatever else. It's about solving problems, and you can't solve problems with one little piece of knowledge. You have to solve problems by with multiple mo- multiple threads of knowledge that all inter- intertwine and interweave. So that's I've always, in, in answer that question on uh, when we're going to use this. I always say mm, I can't guarantee that you will unless you go into a certain this kind of certain career. But it's about the skills that you're developing, um, and you can only develop more skills by me teaching you more stuff. And that's how I've always yeah. kind of phrased it to kids and they end up going mm, okay i get it but what are we gonna <laughs> make us come back and be like yeah but yeah. can't just teach me this instead um but that's why i've kind of phrased it who knows if that's even useful yeah it's, it's a really it's a really tricky one isn't it with with that if you look at value as that then it's it's that's that that's a really tricky one and you you have to sort of like, like you say ex- explain like what your subject's going to do for them and the stuff they're going to kind of get out of it and be able to potentially apply and um, for, for the brain like there there is value in updating what it knows if it's like similar but different to what it already knows so the reason for that is like you know um like back in the day um if if the environment changes your brain wants to update, right? Because the place you found food last week is different from the place you need to find food this week. So it needs to update so you don't keep going back to the wrong spot. It, it, that's an important way to update our memories. So in terms of like updating, which is basically like learning, like increasing mm. kind of or changing what we know, when we're teaching, we kind of want to link what we're, our new, the new thing we're talking about to what they already know mm. and show them that it's, different in some way from what they already know and that seems to be like a really good formula for getting them to update it so you probably already do this clearly don't you when you start a topic you you'll you'll already be kind of like warming them up to it by saying look we know this already this feeds into it you know you might even give them a set of questions that kind of relate to it that they'll tackle and then you'll link that into the new the new material and show them that the new stuff they're about to learn builds on it or is different from it in some way. And that seems yeah, to be I, a good a good kind of way of the, the brain sort of like values that kind of information. Yeah, I feel like, doesn't it, maths lends itself very well to that, but how does that work in a subject like English? Because it, I feel like it, I so good maths teaching is, when we talk about sequential, it's you work, obviously you work out what they already know. That's the prerequisite mm. to, wherever you're trying to teach, you identify the prerequisites. And then you're like, then you're assessing whether you already know them or not. If they don't, then obviously you have to go back and teach them. If they do, then you harness what they know about the prerequisites and then Mm. build them on. But how does that work in a subject like English or history or whatever, where whatever you're about to introduce is a standalone? Because I I can only, well, not always a standalone, but how does it work? Because I've never taught, I've only covered, (laughs) I've only covered English lessons and history lessons. I've never taught them. So how do you do the same thing or similar thing in those kind of subjects yeah that's a really good question because like you say like English and maths are are different structures aren't they like maths is quite hierarchical you sort of try and build on the previous stuff they've done whereas with English like you could you could teach something you know completely different text like one after another and it doesn't seemingly have like those links but I think like a really good kind of English curricula seem to like be organized by concepts so quite okay. big concepts and you teach them about like a big a, a big concept so let's say like love for example 
and you could you could you can weave that concept through what you're what you're teaching so you might teach love in a kind of romantic way through like poetry or through you know studying Romeo and Juliet and something like that and then you start talking about like patriotism in your next unit which is more like your sort of like love and allegiance to your country and then you start to like talk about how like love looking at love in a different way and you sort to try you try to build upon it conceptually so you could do it like that um, okay. But there's also sort of smaller ways that you'd, you'd kind of pick up the thread from a previous unit. So you'd you'd have been looking at things like language devices and you'll still be looking at language devices in, in the next unit. So you'll pick up that thread, you know, so you, there's lots of ways that you can kind of remind them of what they know and like extend it in, uh, in English as well. And I, I think probably in terms of using concepts, pretty much every subject uh, can do that. Yeah, no, agreed. That that makes sense. I get that. Um, I've never designed um, an English curriculum. If anyone is listening or listening back, that is a kind of head of department or whatever else or curriculum involved in the curriculum in some shape or form. Um, bringing it together, tying the curriculum together so that it makes sense for the kids is important because otherwise, what Sarah's saying is otherwise, if they haven't got anything to, if you're teaching them something and they haven't got anything to harness it to that they already have in their brain or their memory then they're not going to hang on to what they're not even going to hang on to what you're um what you're going to be teaching them next because what how does it relate to what they already know and it like we said easy in maths but then in a subject where it's more i don't know the word is what's a different what's what, what would you even call english and history compared to maths um what type of subjects are they <laughs> what what's the how name for it? yeah it's a good question there's there's a um there's a, um, oh, I can't remember who said it, but maths, I think, is hierarch- hierarchical. <laughs> That's a fun word to say, isn't it, on the radio? Um, Easy to say. And I think, Go on. Uh, oh, is it like hierarchical and maybe horizontal structure? Yeah, I think so. So I think I think English has is, is got more, I mean, it's not perfect. Not everything in maths will be hierarchical and not everything in English will be horizontal but I think if you think about maths as being like you have to build on previous stuff don't you and you can see that can't you when they don't know their times tables and then everything sort of seems to crumble am I right yeah 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 and then English English is a little bit more um horizontal although I guess there are hierarchical bits of it aren't there Khalil because it's like if you can't read or you can't write or spell that's pretty damaging for like accessing anything so yeah i think i think hierarchical and horizontal okay we'll we'll go with that and then if anyone has <laughs> if anyone counters it then let us know but i, I actually don't know what what I, what I described him as but either way so then this is i'm assuming this that kind of optimal distance phrase that you spoke about is that what we're discussing here that makes you teach yeah. that the content is the distance between i'm assuming what you meant was the distance between what they're about to learn and what they already know that there needs to be like a it needs to be proximate enough so that they can access the next step. I don't know. Is that correct? I don't know. Yeah. 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 I I think so. So it's like um, optimal distance is like, it's like what you said, like harnessing what they already know, but showing them that it's different enough from what they already know. Mm. And that's about like, you think about what the brain's doing, the brain's like only going to expend energy to update. If it thinks that something is worth updating for, it's not going to update if all we're doing is teaching kids the same stuff all over again, because it already knows it. Um, if we, what we've got, what we've got is basically say to them is like, this is similar to what you know, but it's also different. So, so the subtext yeah. of what we're teaching is this is similar, but it's also different, and that 
is kind of what's meant by that that phrase optimal distance okay excellent welcome people that just joined the studios lovely to see you um we're here on the sunday lunch show with me killer i'm joined by sarah cottingham talking all things memory and its implications for effective teaching and learning in the classroom um in that next kind of here's a phrase we all know you spoke about the uh, the r word the retrieval which is something that's been like uh, i feel like i feel like retrieval is a re just rebranded thing a re the rebranded name for things that teachers have been doing for donkey's years it just me just just seems like when you teach kids something on week one that you may want to check if they still know it by week five um but we've we've obviously we've packaged deal we've given it a package deal now of retrieval practice, but you're saying that the 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 evidence or the science the neuroscience backs up the importance of retrieval. I'm assuming if done in the right way. What are the there? Are, I'm assuming you can, you can do retrieval in poor ways and also you can do retrieval effectively. What makes it? What's a more effective way of retrieving information? Are there any pitfalls to avoid when you're trying to do inverted commas retrieval practice? Yeah, I really love your like your sort of. It's just been it's just been re- rebranded. It's, it's it's just, like what, we've, what? Just, we've just pimped questioning, haven't we? A little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> just what you, it just seems. Why, why would you not? We'd like. Oh yeah, I lose lots of retrieval practice. Of course. Why would you not do it? What do you think? You're just going to remember what they learned in year seven? I like, but I guess some. It depends, isn't it? I guess like again, we keep talking about maths and different. And there are subjects where, with maths, we you have to retrieve stuff in order to learn new things i guess when you have more something like a history where it could be more factual like remembering the date knowing that the wall street cra- crash was what 1929 you're going to have to keep kind of unless you can somehow make a connection between what you know about 1929 and, and actually something to do with the wall street crash you're going to have to just ask kids in staggered um, with staggered gaps between to just recall this information until it becomes cemented essentially but i feel like that's been that's been well, I feel like I hope teachers have been doing that long before we we branded it in a nice bow and, and, a, and a ribbon. Um, but yes, yeah, so what were you saying about what's the importance of retrieval with all things memory? Yeah, no, I, 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 I hear you, though, on the retrieval point. I think like, lots of teachers will say, well, yeah, obviously we already do this. And, and, and this happens multiple times in a lesson that you ask a question, pupils a question that they will have to answer and therefore retrieve. And like that's that's yeah, that that all counts as retrieval. It's just basically a low it's a low stakes question that you're asking um, and that they have to retrieve it from memory without being able to like look it up in the in their in their books, essentially. Mm-hmm. Or like they, you know, obviously like repeating something someone else has said wouldn't be retrieval either. Has to come from kind of in in their minds. Um, and I think I think the reason that it's that it's become a big thing is um it's like one of these things that's like really robust. So you can use it. So you just talked about it there, Khalil. It's like using it on um, with facts. So mm. you can use it to strengthen facts, but it also seems to strengthen kind of higher order, the use of kind of like higher order questions as well, like asking someone to explain something, you know, all that kind of things to sort of analyzing and stuff like that. So you can, you don't have to just use it for factual recall, which is like important because we don't just want to be asking factual questions all the time. So that's one thing we can do to make it more effective is to not just use it for factual questions another another thing we want to think about is like what are we getting them to retrieve so what is the important stuff in our subject that we need to dedicate time to getting them to retrieve because they can't retrieve everything mm. otherwise we'd be there all lesson just doing retrieval and it would we'd never get, get anything done um 
So there's that as well. There's also like the balance between effort and success. So retrieval should be pretty effortful, but it shouldn't be so effortful that kids are getting like zero out of 10 on these low stakes tests that you're doing Mm. with them. Um, So you kind of want to balance that. So you might want to like ask a tricky question give them time to like write down their thoughts, you know, think, think, pair, share type thing. Or you, you know, you might want to start giving them little hints if they're really struggling with it so that they're getting that effortful retrieval in, but they're also kind of able to be successful as well. Um, So that's another way we can do it. And just to say, like the evidence on this is really cool. So even though this technique is something that teachers have always been doing, I think that the evidence like makes it like emphasizes it such that you now would not go through a lesson without really kind of thinking about retrieval and like how you're going to factor it in and what's going to get retrieved retrieval actually seems to like speed up the consolidation of memory in the brain which is like in my opinion one of the kind of holy grails of teaching like how do we get them to learn things well faster so that's really cool And another thing that it seems to do is it seems to strengthen or change the connections between that information and other information. So when you retrieve, you don't just retrieve the the thing that you kind of say out loud. You also, when you're searching for it, you activate other memories that are related and that changes the structure of your memory. So actually being forced to retrieve stuff from memory changes the way you understand that information, which is just... I think a bit mind blowing. Um, yeah. So you're you're actually kind of helping helping kids curate their memories when you get them to retrieve stuff. Oh, so we're now we don't need to be called teachers anymore. We're memory curators. I like. It. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in my in my Twitter bio at some point. I'm gonna call them memory <laughs> curator. It sounds a lot more fancy. Um, but no, that yeah no, it's that's powerful. But then I know you were saying how um, you said something to have just look. You can't. You shouldn't just be able to look it up is what you said. Mm, um, but then yeah. at the same time, if a kid has forgotten, aren't they just going to eventually have to look it up? But I know that shouldn't be your first port of call. Mm. Are you saying that your first port of call should be the struggle? And then... That's right, yeah. But then it's finding... Because yeah. you know when you set those those do-nows and someone comes in, just looks at it and they're like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> they look at it. And yeah. you're like, mm, maybe, yeah. maybe, I've, maybe I've pitched this a little bit too high because the kid's looking, oh, I've actually flipping forgotten that. So then <laughs> yes. you need to find that you have to, they need to struggle for a bit, but then surely by, not by the end, but at some point it does get, you have to then teach them a, a strategy to then regain the information by potentially looking it up, but then next time. But then you have to remember as a teacher, do ask the same question again, the next, not the same question, but the same topic again in the next lesson, because then hopefully they won't need to look it up and then they can start building some stronger um neuro connections i'm just going to go with the fancy phrase that i think is relevant <laughs> yeah yeah that, yeah you're right like at, at some point if, 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 they, if it's like the struggle is good if you can if, you, if even if they don't kind of get there the the sifting through of all the stuff they they think it's about is is also doing some of that curation so that's that's useful but eventually you may have to kind of provide them with the answer and that usually comes as in in the feedback if they if they really haven't got it they'll they'll get some feedback and feedback feedback's a really important part of um mm. retrieval um because you don't want them to have retrieved an error and then you never feed back on it and then they just think the error is correct obviously that's 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 not so helpful but yeah you, you're right at some point you would need to you would need to either either they look it up or they get the feedback um or you've given them a kind of series of hints and they eventually get there um yes. whatever, whatever it is that you can do I'll- 
I was going to talk about you. Literally, read, you read my mind a little bit. I was going to talk about these hints because there's a good. There's, there are good ways to hint, and there are good ways to support, and there are bad ways to support. So by that I mean, like, if a child has forgotten, I don't know. Let me think of an example. Um, I can't even think if they've forgotten how to. I don't know. Let's go. They've forgotten how to work out the area of a triangle, for example. I can only really speak mm-hmm. about maths. There's the. Uh, you can have two type. You've got you've got a teacher who. The good way, in my opinion, wouldn't be to, do you know, oh, what, do you know when you just dumb down when the question gets broken down so much to the point where you're just asking them really kind of, not pointless, but really short questions that are so easy to answer that they that you end up losing sight. You lose sight of the of the whole picture. You end up just dumbing it down to, yeah. oh, there's, where's, what's this? Oh, it's a triangle. Excellent. It's like, do you know what I mean? Like it's, that's not. Yes. So when you when you're trying to guide the, the child to retrieve, you have to be tactful about the questions you ask because you don't want your if your question just dumbs it all down to a point where you're just trying to get them to say something that's right, then there's no point to it. But then obviously that's a delicate that's a bad obviously it comes with more ex, with experience as well of what the right question should be. Sometimes it's it helpful to ask something like, right, tell me what you remember about triangles then. As opposed to um Something like that, yeah. Tell, yeah, what do you remember about triangles? Because then at least it's a bit more of an open question. They can go, uh, oh yeah, that's or what you see, kind of thing. Oh, I see a right angle, or I see this, or I see that. Okay, cool. Any shape that you might, and I don't know. I'm, give, I think every triangle is a bad example. But the point I'm trying to make was helping children to retrieve. You need, to, in my opinion, avoid just dumbing down the questions to the point where the hints are, the hints have no bearing to the big picture anymore they're just oh what was one plus one again two okay cool yeah two that's what we're looking for and then we have to Mm. do something we have to multiply these two things together so what's two times four eight yes excellent do you know that do you know that kind of question 100 percent. i think that's such a like that's an awesome awesome point because sometimes we even do it and we like trick ourselves into thinking that because they've answered this these series of easy questions that they've actually know how to do the more difficult question just because we've got the correct, like three correct answers. I think that's such a, like you've just put it in a really, really good way. And I love that your like solution to that is like, you kind of like, you take the goal out of it. So when you, when you ask like, so what is it you, what do you, what do you remember about triangles? Right. What you're changing your question to is like a, a, a question with a right answer question with a goal. You're changing it to like a free recall question of like, just what do you, what do you know? Tell me yeah. what you know. And you're just like, it's low stakes. You know, it's just like, okay, so I know this, I know this. And they could talk themselves into the answer potentially. Or you could get the sense that even though they know loads about triangles, they don't know what's relevant to this question. Yeah. But that's useful for you to know, isn't it? Because then you're like, oh, I think they're a bit lost here. They, they, they don't remember the connection. That's useful for you. So your questions of like, what do you see? And like, tell me what you know about triangles. That sounds like a really good way to just kind of like gauge, like, where is this person? Like, h- how much does this person know? And see if they can talk themselves into it. If not, like, you've got a better sense of it the other thing you can do is like a cool thing about memory which um is that we sort of we store episodic information like context information so what i mean by that is like if you've taught them about let's say perimeter the day before and um and you come to the next lesson and they just can't remember what 
perimeter is and you're like oh my god how can they not remember this and um then you can start to give them like context hints of like remember yesterday I was standing at the board and I drew that square and I told you it was a football pitch what did I ask you to do with the football pitch so you can try to prompt their memory with the things that they saw and experienced and that can sometimes be a way into the knowledge as well yeah, no, definitely. Or you say, what's five plus eight plus five plus eight? Yeah, yeah, 26. Good. That's it. Correct. That's a, that's a perimeter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, but right. again, like, like, not to labor the point, Khalil, but that, that is a really good point, right? Because what, yeah. they, what have they recalled there? They've recalled how to add things up. What Indeed. you've actually want them to recall is how to do perimeter, which they have not recalled. So it's yeah. just like that difference, isn't it, in what they're actually recalling? No, definitely right. So I'm I'm enjoying this. I I should I don't want to take a break. If I if I don't take the break, then Tom Rogers will somehow find his way into the chat and will and will and will sanction me. So what we need to do? So for there's about a seven minute break coming up where we need to listen to our sponsors and the news. If you are listening live, it's a time to go and take your own break. Uh, go make yourself a cup of tea, have some biscuits, and then come back on the other side of these well, adverts and hearing from our sponsors. See you in about seven minutes. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, You'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers 
and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. FE Week reports on Ofsted findings following new inspections within the sector. Recent inspections at three colleges found that standards had not slipped in the decade since their last inspection, while three colleges retained their outstanding grades. The three colleges in Yorkshire were last inspected 10 years ago, but the latest reports highlight the high standards that have been maintained over time. The inspections took place at Notre Dame Catholic Sixth Form College in Leeds, Barnsley College and Greenhead College, both in West Yorkshire. Outstanding colleges are subject to full inspections for the first time this year since 2010, after an exemption was lifted. In Kent, the Isle of Thanet News website reports on the opening of Phys Lab at St Peter's Junior School. The purpose-designed hub within the school grounds enables children to enjoy hands-on experience in exploring the world of physics and general science. The hub was opened in partnership with Ogden Trust. Nathan Williams, the school's award-winning science lead, says the opening of the hub had been fantastic and that children and staff from the school and those from partnership schools were looking forward to exploring a range of scientific learning opportunities. The hub will also be accessible to local schools, not in the partnerships. Cameron Ogden, chair of Ogden Trust, stated, Physics as a subject has huge importance. We are determined that everyone have access to inspiring physics education. Many media outlets report on the arrest of three people on suspicion of involvement in female genital mutilation at an unregistered school in Birmingham. Police, prompted by Ofsted inspectors who had reportedly found a locked room containing medical equipment and a bed, searched the school. Ofsted inspectors were originally following up reports of an unregistered school, but concerns were raised about possible illegal practices, so police were called in. In recent weeks, the Department for Education has announced an increase in powers for Ofsted inspectors so that unsafe, unregistered schools could be shut down. Good Housekeeping has published advice for students in managing their finances. The information on their website includes advice on how to access additional support, eligibility for tuition fee loans and maintenance loans, as well as the implications for repayment. It also outlines other funding pots some students may be able to access. As the cost of living continues to rise, the website reminds students and parents that the deadline for student finance for new students is the 20th of May. In South Africa, the Minister of Higher Education will table a budget for the department's strategic vision for the coming year. The budget will focus on COVID recovery and provide fully subsidised financial support to students. It will also help to increase participation rates amongst people with disabilities and women. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello. This week, we're going to take a look at the much-coveted presentation clicker. It's a must-have device for a lot of teachers out there as it allows you to move slides whilst AFK. For those new to 2-Minute Tech, AFK is away from keyboard. Ranging in price from £8 to £30, this classroom essential allows you to stretch your legs and make a few shapes while you dance around the room. 
Some of us have a mandatory piece of blue tack over the built-in laser pointer, others have invested in a bit of duct tape, so we ensure the device meets health and safety regulations, and most of us have a small stash of AAA batteries in a secret place that we never admit to having. Well, Clicker, I'm telling you to stand aside. The Mini Wireless Multimedia Keyboard is taking your place. Having a lower price range of £8 to £15 and being able to do everything that Clicker does except blind pupils, as it has no laser pointer, and wait for it, it is rechargeable. You have full keyboard and mouse control from anywhere in your classroom. You can move slides on, alt-tab to switch applications, type, use spacebar to stop and start YouTube clips for questioning, battery life is quite honestly ridiculously long, and if it runs out, a five-minute charge on the USB lead will get you through your lesson. All I can say is if you're considering replacing your clicker or are simply a gadget magnet, this is a must-have. Search for mini wireless keyboard in any online shop. The only thing I'd say is get one with a light-up keyboard if you present with the lights off. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome back. This is still the Sunday Lunch Show with me, Khalil Rouse, on Teachers Talk Radio. If you've just tuned in, where have you been? You've missed the first hour. We've got half an hour to go um, of a show dedicated to memory. I'm joined by Sarah Cottingham, and she'll be coming back on the mic in a second just to continue this very, very interesting and kind of eye-opening chat about memory and its implications for effective teaching and learning. Um, if it's your first time listening to Teachers Talk Radio, if you're listening um, and you don't know much about Teachers Talk Radio, then you just head to ttradio.org or you can follow us on Twitter at ttradio2022. If you want to interact with me directly, then you can follow me on Twitter at, at Khalil, K-A-L-I-L underscore R91. Um, normally I talk about all things pastoral or safeguarding, but I need to sometimes dedicate some shows to teaching and learning, which is arguably the bread and butter of the role. Um, but, you know, that's up for debate. So hopefully Sarah's going to unmute in a second if she's back. Who knows? Um, oh, there we go. Boom. Um, because we're going to move on and go on to your kind of like your second broad area. And you were talking about and you started it by with the sentence that our memory exists to help us make the most accurate predictions about our world. Sorry, about the world. And this is when I got a bit, the thing we started talking about berries, I got a bit confused. So can you just kind of explain what the, oh, someone's trying to call in, but I'm not, unfortunately, emergency hour prayers, I'm not going to bring you into the studio right now um, because we, we, and yeah, I'm just not going to do it. But if you want to contribute anything to do with Teacher Talk Radio, then please type in the chat. And then if I know that your contribution is going to be about and going to move the conversation on, then by all means, I will invite you into the studio. So put something in the chat, emergency hour prayers. If you have a question about memory or anything to ask Sarah to do with memory or teaching and learning, put it in the chat. And the same for anyone else that's listening live. Now you can ask questions throughout the show if anything takes your fancy. So yeah, um, Sarah, talk to me about berries. What's the significance? <laughs> um yeah so, sorry about that for confusing you um so essentially like but what what we what our brains do is we we have lots of experiences and our brains sort of take the common bits of our experiences and they kind of consolidate them into into rules 
in our in our brains in our what we, what we call kind of networks of knowledge our schemas and so we end up with these like generalizable rules because rules are much better than remembering like the specific event of something so you know you, you can think th- your pupils can think back to your lesson last lesson Khalil and they can think you know um we learned about perimeter and perimeter is a distance around a shape we don't really want them to remember that Khalil was wearing a blue shirt and it was a sunny day and you know all, all the contextual details we don't really want them to remember that we want them to remember the kind of key rules that we've trying to teach them um so the brain is also kind of wired like that to sort of um, make it harder to access lots of tiny details of the event. And it tries to sort of suck out the, the gem- generalities um, of, of what's of what the teachers kind of like pointed out or, or what's kind of happened. Um, so, you know, if we've had lots of experience back in the day when when we would our ancestors foraged for berries, if they, you know, as a kind of um, very, very easy example, um, if they encountered red berries and they ate red berries over and over again, or they saw other people eating red berries and everything was fine and that person survived, they'd be like, well, red berries are safe. And that's the rule. Like red berries are safe. And that's a useful rule for us to have um, stored because it can, it enables the brain to act really easily. Oh, you're and, um, oh, sorry. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Are we, I don't know if we're back in sync. Are we back in sync? Oh yeah, I can okay, hear cool. you. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, yeah. no, you dipped out. You dipped out. A, you dipped right. out a little bit after you spoke, spoke about red berries, and then I couldn't hear you. Maybe the list. Maybe <laughs> maybe the listeners could, but I couldn't. Um, and this is where someone in this mid 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 berry mid- chat. <laughs> I um, <laughs> I dropped out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, essentially, the the long and short of it is that um, the bra- our brains like to kind of store rules, but what happens when we store rules is we lose details. Like it's difficult to kind of grasp like details of situations so you might find that over time your your students kind of like lose some of the details in their knowledge like say say as a science teacher you've taught them conduction and convection you might find that like over time they start to like conflate those two ideas like they lose the details of like this that that help to separate those two concepts So one thing we kind of want to do is we want to check the detail of pupils' memory. We want to check that they remember that perimeter is different from area, um, what what makes it different, and that they haven't like merged concepts into one. Okay, this is in, this is so it's about check. So it's not just checking, not just checking the the rule. We need to continually to check the. The detail because if we don't continue to check the detail then they'll forget the detail and just remember a rule is it's it's possible so it's it's possible that kind of they start to merge concepts into one another and then you end up with like kind of concept confusion when like they go into an exam or whatever and they, and they can't remember the difference between uh, convection and conduction mm. or whatever it is um so it's it's important to kind of recognize that we do lose this detail from our memories and some of it that we lose um and when i say lose like it's still there you can still access it with like very specific cues but it's really hard to access mm. so it becomes like almost like almost basically forgotten um so it's just important to realize that like um over time forgetting can set in and it becomes quite difficult to access yeah. this detail so we want to make sure that they haven't confused certain 
concepts. And that can be done not just through checking for understanding, but through the way you structure your curriculum as well and the way that you teach concepts and draw out similarities and differences between things can help them to kind of structure their knowledge in a way that it doesn't kind of end up getting so conflated. Mm. But then doesn't, isn't there always, not always, isn't there also a an argument in favour of why literacy... Um, so I, I like the convection conduction argument because, not that example, because if when you first introduce the word conduction, if that's the first time they've seen that word, is that why there's so much benefit in maybe breaking down, making sure they even know what conduct means um, rather. And then is that, does that provide them another, something else to draw upon later on? So not just, not just saying yeah. our conduction is this, but also, oh, wait, hold on. The word conduction is actually a hint as well because it comes from conduct. And then if they understand what conduct means, they can use conduct in the wider context and that will support them to make the link. Because otherwise, conduction is just a word and it relates to this thing. How are they going to remember that the word conduction is is what relates to the, the process? That's, that's the tricky, isn't it? Because otherwise... Because we as, yeah. and why do we remember, is that, why do we as experts remember, why are we never going to forget? Why do we never forget that conduction is this and convection is different? Is that just because we practiced it more or is it because we understood it better when we first learned it? I... Oh, that's a great question. So yeah, that, that's a great question. And I'm not sure, I'm, you might remember all the difference between conduction and convection, but I had to look it up. So, so that might, that might be, uh, that might be, you, you learned it much better than me, clearly. Well, I don't, don't test um, me. I don't know what it is. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna test you by the way. Um, so yeah, so, so partly the way, the way we form the concepts in the first place is important. So when you're trying to teach pupils a kind of a new concept, that that initial teaching of it, is a, it, it kind of kickstart a potential process that could make learning easier for them. And we've talked about like introducing concepts and like linking it to what they know. So linking it backwards and also linking it forwards, like saying like it links to what you already know because of this, but here's how it's different. And like we've talked about that. And if, if you can do that and you talked about it being like harnessing, harnessing what they know. Yeah. And if you can do that, you're going to help them to make it more meaningful. And that kind of kickstart a bit of a process where it's easier for them to kind of gain more knowledge about this thing that you're talking about. So how you're right, like how it starts is really, really important. Um, and then I forgot what you Oh, here we go. This, I, I was waiting for Karen to come. <laughs> Karen, Karen's very quiet, just listening in the background. Then she, her ears pricked up when we started talking about science because Karen's a, a science teacher. And there's another, there's a STEM, Miss Kato's oh, Kato STEM yeah. is there. Karen, you should just let me, what you should have done, Karen. I'm glad you put the answer in the chat because Sarah didn't actually ask me what the difference was. So um, I, what would I have gone, I would have gone for, I've seen it now, but I would have said something like conduction. I remember it's got something to do with metal and that's all I can kind of think about. And then, Convey, uh, yeah, I would have been stuck, but I just know that can you have conductors and they're like little metal wires that you can put into plugs, and they're the conductors, aren't they? Of electricity, so that's that was my that, but that's because I'm linking it to something that I know about what a conductor is. So then I, so then, but for a kid, if a kid doesn't know what a conductor is in the science world, then they're less likely to remember what conduction is. So I guess it's. Yeah, I don't know. Karen, just for the record, everyone, if anyone is wondering what conduction and convection are, then Karen said that transfer of heat energy through solids is conduction and then convection is through fluids. Um, but Karen, genuine question, how do you get kids to remember the difference? 
that's a gen- yeah, genuine question. And, and any other science teacher in the room, because the words sound so similar, they start in the same way, end in the same way. They've only got a difference of what, three letters in the middle. So how do you make them, rem- how do you enable them to remember that when you put a D-U-C in the middle, it now means solids. When you put a V-E-C in the middle, it now means fluids. Genuine question. Um, so yeah, mull over that one. Science, t- science that- teacher in the room. Go on, Sarah. No, I was just really glad that Karen stepped in there to kind of put that down. I, I did. I did want you to have a go before uh, before, Karen, I would have, before Karen. I would have in, forgotten. I'm glad she did. I, I forgot convection. But then, actually, you know what? But then, but then, I would have said convection current. No, I would have. No, I forgot for convection. Um, but yeah, genuine questions to science teachers. Any any gems that you can help other fellow science teachers about how you've got kids to remember it? Because I feel like there are some kids who just. Peep, is it true? Well, I think it is true. People, do you know someone that just remember people? There are some kids that seem to just remember things better without any, um, without even having to revise. They just retain things. Why? This is, I don't know if you have the answer to this, but why is it that some people just seem to be, you have a 16 year old who can, without any additional revision or anything else, they'll just remember something four weeks later and someone else in the same class when you mention it four weeks later, we'll have no idea what you're talking about. Any, why is, why yeah. is that? Why does that discrepancy exist? So, so it's kind of, it's, it, it, so this is, this is my take on a big, a big reason why it, um, why that happens. And that's because like there's differences in their prior knowledge. So the, the evidence from neuroscience, evidence from psychology shows that if you've got more prior knowledge of something, you've got way more things to harness the new information to. So you already knew what conduct means. So if you're sitting in a science lesson and then talking about conduction, you can already link it to a meaning that you already have. For kids who've never heard the word conduction before, it's going to be really difficult for them to link it, to harness it to any meaning. So if you think about something that you pick up, Kalua, really quickly, like you're you're an Arsenal fan, I'm also an Arsenal fan. Um, I know it's good, isn't it? Um, well, it hasn't been so good this week. Actually, <laughs> we won't talk about it. We won't talk about it. But um, if you if you watch a, a game, like you or, or you you might find this, you kind of because you know about the formation, you know about the players. Like you watch a game, you can remember that like so and so two weeks ago had a terrible game, um, or like so and so was playing out of position the other week, and like you know it all went pear shape. And those are the kind of things that if you told if you told someone who wasn't a football fan, like um, you know uh, you know one of the players was was you know hit the bar three times, and you ask them two weeks later, they're just going to be like, well, I can't remember anything. I don't remember what you said. Something about football, but you'll remember it because you know the Arsenal team, you know their squad. You're a football fan. You've got information to tie this new information mm-hmm. to. So the kids that tend to come back two weeks later with this like recall and they're like yeah yeah I remember when you did that you said this and this and we talked about this they're the ones that really made it meaningful in the first place because they had prior knowledge of that mm. of that topic okay no it makes sense but I guess I guess then it just comes back to like but then the reason why they have the prior knowledge necessary for this topic was because they had the prior knowledge from the pre they're, they're like the pre prerequisite already which enabled them to learn what was in between and then you just keep going back and back and back and back and back and then that's where you realize that things really I don't know where things start from I don't know how early in in a child's well from birth maybe but yeah we're not gonna go all the way back in time but either way there's a bit of CPD in the chat so Karen said 
um, that she does start with, she starts with breaking down the etymology of like conductions, conductors, direct, um, and then practicals and modeling them for convection. Uh, yeah, linked to vectors. And I know vectors from maths and science. Oh. So vectors are to do with movements. So yeah, I didn't think, you know, I didn't actually think of vectors. But now that I've thought of vectors, I feel like I'm not going to forget what convection is. Um, because mm. I'm thinking, right, vectors do with movements. Um, but then what? And then fluids, obviously. But then solids move, you just roll it. But that's a different thing. Um, on, a, on a particle level, I guess I know what she's talking about. And then gas and liquids move in terms of like particles, I imagine. Um, and then linked to weather. Okay, fair enough. So yeah, etymology seems, that's why we have so many schools do such so much work on making sure that literacy, people embed good literary practices in all subjects, not just English, because it can... And if you do have that focus when you're introducing new concepts, then at least they may hear, if they start to hear, but then you have to use the word to understand the word. You can't just be showing a word and then they never use it again. They're going to forget the word as well. Oh, it's it, this, mm-hmm. this teacher learning malarkey is, is, is tough, isn't it? It's tough. <laughs> it's, tough. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough. Imagine teaching things to people that have no idea. Ah, oh, man, it's tough. Right. We've only got, literally, I told you time would fly. We've only got 13 minutes left, Sarah. Um, so just to kind of, you talked about, oh, eavesdropping on memory. What? So that's a, oh, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. So, um, uh, Elizabeth Loftus writes, she's, she's, she started, she started looking at, she's a researcher and, um, she, a a professor and she's looking at like, have you ever, have you ever, um, watched Making a Murderer? No. On Netflix? No. Okay. Don't worry. Um, if you've ever watched anything where you've, you've, you've seen that like there's kind of false confessions, like someone will confess, but the police have kind of like goaded them into mm-hmm. it a bit. Um, or, um, if you've ever kind of, um, yourself like witnessed something with a friend or a relative or something like that, and then you've spoken about it afterwards and you seem to have like remembered different stuff about it. Like the details are not exactly the same. Right. Um, and this is like really cool thing about our memories, which has like upsides and downsides is that, like I said, we kind of like, we lose the detail of situations. It's not connected as well. And it's quite easy to like manipulate the detail, even with like words we say. So there was an experiment where um, someone um, watched a car crash and they were asked how fast they thought the car was going when it hit the other car. And when they said, when it hit the other car, they said, oh, they said, oh, like, I don't know, 30 miles an hour. And then they were asked, how fast was it going when it smashed into the other car? Mm. And then they said, like, 50, 60 miles an hour. So your memory, like, essentially, that many other studies have suggested it, your memory can be, like, manipulated and changed by the way you're asked questions. You can also, like, implant things in people's memories and convince them that they've experienced things that they haven't actually experienced. So our memories are, like, really malleable, really manipulable, Mm. and that's just, like, can have downsides because you can essentially, um, you can chat to a police officer and um, you can kind of change your story based on the questions that they're asking and you don't even kind of realise you're doing it. Mm. So it can end up with like false witness witness, sta- uh, witness statements, false victim statements even, false um, confessions. And um, yeah, uh, Loftus was the first one to sort of go and testify in court about these kind of things. So it's, it's quite like, it's a sort of a bit of a dark side to the, to, to like misremembering yeah. things. It sounds like, in, sounds like um, Inception. That's all that's all there. 
It's a, yeah, it, it is. Sounds, it just sounds like <laughs> very Inception-like, isn't it? Yeah, it that is. Was Inception, <laughs> which was hands down probably one of the most. The first time I watched Inception, I think I fell asleep at one point, which is no no shock to anyone that knows me, and woke up with no idea what was going on. And I had to. I think I've watched that film. <laughs> I have to watch it like three times to really get to grips with just fully understanding what everything and like the ending we're not going to talk about inception now but the ending and the spinning and the oh my god is they is this even real mm. life that's oh wow um but yeah so that makes uh, that is that is very fascinating um this has been probably one of the most interesting shows i've done in a very long time so sarah i'm very grateful um so we've got oh grateful to uh, be on wonderful. we've got about 10 to go so yeah the last the last kind of section you were speaking about ties in a little bit to what we first spoke because you started with the the sentence that what we already know underpins everything we learn um and then what you're saying is yeah as you said before this means that the brain is interested in relating everything we experience what it already knows and then you start to go on to speak about pupils don't so we often you can teach things like oh they're going to remember this but then pupils you're saying people sometimes spot and learn things that you didn't even anticipate um and yeah. yeah, so go on with, elaborate on that, please. Yeah, like this was a bit of a realisation for me. Um, I probably should have realised it sooner. But essentially, we're all like, we're all viewing the world through our own um, prior knowledge of the world. So our, our brains are constantly trying to make predictions about what's going to happen based on what we already know. But we already know, everybody knows different stuff. So everyone sitting in your classroom has got at least slightly different knowledge of what you're teaching at least slightly even if they followed a curriculum they've got at least slightly different knowledge so when you're talking about something they're taking different things away from what you're saying if they're paying attention they're taking different things away from what you're saying they're not going to take exactly the same meaning from what you've said so it's like everyone's kind of forming their own like different meanings inside their heads Mm. which is like a bit annoying um for teachers because you're, you're trying to convey something which you've got clear in your own mind and you're trying to convey it to them but they're all taking away slightly different things but I think when we realize that people are like seeing situations and attending to situations differently from what we think they are we we start to realize like the importance of how clear we need to be about what is important in our explanations yeah. They're not, they're not going to make the same inferences. If you leave gaps, they're not going to fill them with the same stuff. So if you want them right at the beginning when you're being really explicit in your teaching, when you're really trying to get them to understand something new, you have to really explicitly point out what it is that they should be learning. Then you need to give them time to like connect it to what they already know, make sure that they've taken away the right, like quote unquote, meaning from what you've yeah, said, definitely. because they're all taking away different Yeah, no, this this resonates really strongly with me. Again, I'm going to make a maths reference because that's all I know. But um, in terms of, so this, I've learned this very early in my career. So when you introduce powers, so three to power two, four to power two, eight to power two, and blah, 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 and squaring. And what I realized is if you start, if your first introduction of powers is using two to the power of two, then you set yourself up a whole bunch of nonsense because... The answer being four, we know, as I know, and, and anyone else obviously knows mass, knows that it's come from the two being multiplied by itself. But the kid often sees it as just being multiplied by two. So then when you put three to power two on the board afterwards, well, they're going to tell you it's six. 
because you're just multiplying by two. And then four's power two is eight because you're just multiplying by two. So it's something that I learned. I'm always, I avoid. So you have, I have to like actively, you have to actively avoid. If your first introduction to the top, you have to think, right, what misconception potentially, what, and then sometimes kids catch us unawares anyway, but what misconception could they have from this example? And is there a better example that I could use to first introduce this concept that will prevent them from having the misconception? And often not using the numbers one or two in maths is the best way. Um, but I think that's an example of what you were saying, how, and kids do it. Like the next example, they're like, oh yeah, because last time it was just added three. No, 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 it wasn't added three. It was this, but they saw a connection that we never even anticipated. And they just were, oh yeah, I get it. Mm. I'm not going to just use that connection the next time. So it's, when we talk about like best teaching is the anticipation of misconceptions and therefore teaching it in a way that avoids them. But then you could also like tackle them head on, of course. But obviously the best way is you don't, they don't even have the misconception because you introduce it in a way that, means they could never have developed in the first place so introducing three to the power of two first when you talk about powers means that they're not going you're going to then say right it's two threes being times getting you nine it is not three times two but they wouldn't they if you introduce it with two to the power two they'll develop that misconception i guarantee so i think that's when you're talking about the lens that kids see see the learning through and they just create they can just spot patterns. They always look for, because they're lazy. And I'm not surprised, like kids are lazy. They're trying to get the quickest way. Oh yeah, cool. I spot a pattern, just add this every time. No, 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 you don't. That was one example. Um, but yeah, so that's that resonated very strongly with me. Very recent lesson I actually did on Power to Year 7. So that's why it's it, it, mm -hmm. it, it resonated. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I, I, I like that. I could see very easily how that would, how that would like happen because... They're in they're in this situation where they know that you're trying to teach them something. So we can't take away like I'm talking about what's going on in the brain, like as in like as if as if it's just what's going on inside someone's head. But it's all the context, isn't it, that's important. And they know Khalil's standing there and he's trying to teach me something. He's showing me this example because he wants me to come up with he wants me to understand the rule. Because that's what maths is. There's lots of rules, isn't there, that they have to have to apply and if you show them that two to the power of two yeah i can see how they'd just be like you know they just attach it to what they already know yeah. again that's what the brain tries to do and then they've come out with that misconception that it's just like you say like two times two instead of two times by itself yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i totally got what that's you meant it's when, and it's yeah, also when you explain when you explain two to the power of two you need to call it two being multiplied by itself you don't call it two being multiplied by two because then three, to, because mm, then three to yes. power two is three you multiply by two, and so on. So that's yes. yeah. So you're you, you're creating the optimal distance there, aren't you? You're like we're we're talking about something you kind of know about, but it's different. Yeah. Like, and you ha and you're having to really stress that it's different and show them different examples so they don't then get super confused mm, by mm. it. Oh well. my word! Yeah. Only three minutes ago. So the last little bit that I wanted to speak about was your you finished your thread by talking about. Actually, well, not right, not wasn't finished right then, but you spoke about we need to be acutely aware of our own expertise. Um, and of that, I think, yeah, and again, so you're saying that, well, an, an expert is when you require, when you're an expert at something, you require less brain activity to perform something. So then what's the impact? If that's the case, then what does that mean for our, for our teaching and pupils learning then? Yeah, I'll try and be really quick. Um, so if you know loads about something, like you're 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 wired differently to somebody who 
kind of knows less or knows almost nothing about a topic. And what that does is it means it's really difficult for you to look at your pupils and imagine how hard this material is for them to, to grasp. You make loads of assumptions about what they know without meaning to. It's called the curse of expertise. It's like you can't imagine what it's like to not be good at something again. Um, and I think we, we all suffer from it. And the idea is that like we, we need to sort of try our best to think what would like a novice learner, so a new learner to a topic, like need to know and struggle with. Um, and you you highlighted a really good example there, didn't you, with the two to the power of two one? Like that's not the right way into this, into this. Like that's something that's going to create a misconception. So what we want to do is want to like break down the knowledge that you need to try to understand something. So force yourself, even as an expert, to say, to understand this topic, what's all the knowledge we're going to need? Because then if you do that and you confront yourself with that, you can really easily see that this is flipping mm. hard. This is really difficult for these learners and I can't make the assumption that they know X, Y and Z because actually that didn't come up for three topics before before now or whatever it is. So like breaking it down, really forcing yourself to, to try your best to, to put yourself in a position of someone who who does kind of think uh, more novice. And that's you. the thing is when just to wrap it up is when you've got your your ECTs fresh out of doing a degree in. I don't know what, like a, a maths degree, a, French, a degree in modern foreign languages or degree in, it's like a science degree. And they go into the classroom and they just take so many things that they take for granted from their own experience. Um, and like connections that they will see from like sequentially from, oh, I've taught you this. Therefore, blah, blah, blah. The kids are like, therefore, what? Like, like they, they wouldn't, do you know mm. what I mean? That kind of, right, because this is the case, ergo something, the kids are like, who? Um, so it's all that kind of, mm-hmm. that, that curse, I get it. And I think when you are, if you are an ECT, you're kind of your mentor ECTs or whatever else, and you're trying to get them to kind of be better teachers, you need to be very kind of honest and candid with them about, you know, a lot and you've come in, you're going into a classroom where these kids know next to nothing about what you're about to teach. So you need to make sure you teach it. You need to strip back everything that you know and why do you know it keep breaking down why do you know why do you know why do you know find that crux and then make sure you teach that because if you go in at the wrong if you pitch it wrong and go in at the wrong level then all kids are like nah i've got i've got no idea um mm-hmm. what's going on mm-hmm. oh sarah listen time i told you time would fly that's the hour and a half i told you time <laughs> would fly, but it's been so hopefully well for me definitely i'm thinking purely selfishly very insightful hopefully for people that have been listening live and people that listen back on tt on tt radio it's been it'll be insightful for them as well but all that's left to say sir, is thank you very very much for coming on the show and dropping so many pearls of wisdom about memory and i hope i know this is your first interaction with teachers talk radio hopefully you can be back in the studio or back on another show or whatever else in the in the not too distant future because it's been a great conversation talking and getting to know you and your area of um, relative expertise compared to the average teacher. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Khalil. It's been brilliant. Um, thank you to Karen as well for, for putting her comments down and teaching us um, how to teach conduction and convection. But yeah, it's been fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. No worries. Thank you. And thank you to everyone that's been tuning in. As always, I'll be, I should be back next week. Um, maybe another pastoral CPD. I don't know. I can't remember. I need to check my schedule. But thanks everyone that's been listening and, and I should be back next week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.
worst thing is, I think Spurs actually won their game, which is ridiculous. Um, so we now have to win on Monday night. Come on, you gutters.